1430 and Talk 96.7 present Ask the Preacher with your host, Jonathan Freed. This is a call-in talk show where you can have your Bible questions answered. And it's sponsored by Believer's Fellowship Church. Welcome back to another week of Ask the Preacher. I am not John Freed. I am George Locke, and I am filling in today. It is great to be here. I love doing the radio. But you know what? I'm in the studio alone today, so I need you guys who are listening to call in with your questions, and we're going to get some answers. The phone number to call in is 863-682-1430. You can also go to askthepreacher.com. You can get some information there. You can submit a question, a comment, and uh, we'll answer it on the following week's show. So that is askthepreacher.com, phone number 863-682-1430. Today, I want to kind of start our conversation with uh, something that I intend to offend your Christian sensibilities. Uh, so some of the things that I'm going to say today might be a little hard to swallow, uh, but they're going to be true nonetheless. We're going to try to take a 100-hour study and condense it down to a one-hour radio call-in show. So bear with me as we do our best to work through the material quickly and answer your questions as you call in. So here's a big question. God's healing powers. Does God want us to be healed today? Is it done through the miraculous? Is it done through the natural? Uh, and what is required to receive healing? So the, the first question, the big question that a lot of people have personally is, is it God's will for me to be healed? And the short answer is yes, it is his will. I mean, that's his perfect will that all of us would be healed. It's part and parcel of why Jesus died on the cross when he mentioned that his body was broken uh, during the last Passover meal he had with his disciples. Uh, my body is broken, and it was broken so that our broken bodies could receive healing. So yes, his perfect will is that we would all be healed. So the question becomes, well, why aren't I healed? Why isn't everybody in a hospital bed healed? Why don't Christians you know, run up and, and, and pray and clear out a whole wing of a hospital of people who are ill. And we're going to tackle that. Uh, we're going to start with a quick analogy. If it's God's perfect will that we be healed, I'm going to give you an earthly analogy. I am a father. And uh, if I told my kids, hey, look, here's what I, I would like done. I want you guys to have a good time tonight. We're going to roast marshmallows and we're going to have a, you know, a party at the house. But uh, we got to make sure the house is clean before that. I'm going to run out. I'm going to go, you know, pick up some materials for the parties. You guys go ahead and clean up. Obviously, my perfect will is for them to have everything cleaned up and for them to be obedient and do exactly what I would want done very quickly. But sometimes it doesn't happen. And so uh, there are reasons that we don't receive our healing. For example, we're going to look at a verse, well, not a verse, but we're going to look at Luke chapter 4. And in Luke chapter 4, uh, Jesus is in his hometown, and in his hometown, he uh, is preaching in the synagogue, and they're amazed. Wow, this is amazing. You know, I've come to set the captive free, Jesus reads, and I'm here to uh, heal people, and they're all amazed at his wisdom and, and what he's uh, saying in the synagogue. But then he gives them a hard truth about Nahum, and Naaman, uh, sorry, Naaman 
was a pagan Gentile, and, and Jesus kind of uh, recognizes this pagan Gentile from the Old Testament stories as a man who had great faith. And this offended the people in the synagogue, and they said, oh, how could you, you know, bring up this pagan Gentile? And they were mad, and they were so angry that they went ahead and they tried to actually bring Jesus to a cliff and throw him off. But he miraculously walked through their midst. And it goes on to say that in his hometown, he didn't really do miracles. And he, Jesus, God in the flesh, did not perform great miracles of raising the dead and all these things in his own hometown because of their unbelief. And the scripture says that specifically. It even goes as far as to say Jesus marveled at their unbelief. And so you have these people, they were in the synagogue and they were amazed at what Jesus said. They were amazed at his explanation. They thought it was profound, but when it came to a truth, something that offended their religious upbringing and their religious dogma, something that was just hard for them to swallow. It caused them to have uh, this unbelief, and and they got mad, and they tried to kill Jesus in, in his hometown. He couldn't even, uh, God in the flesh wouldn't even perform these, these great miracles, couldn't perform these great miracles because of of their unbelief. So with that being said, the first thing that can cause you to not receive healing is just a simple unbelief. And, and then the question becomes, well, how do we receive this belief? How do I grow in it? Well, Romans tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And uh, you might say, well, how do I hear and hear the Word of God? Does that mean I just put it on loop and hear it over and over again? Well, yeah, it could be, but there's actually a very natural way for you to hear something twice. When you speak something, you hear it out loud externally as it bounces off the walls and goes back into your ear, but you also hear it internally, your inner ear. So as you speak something once, you hear it twice. So what can help you grow your faith is speaking the truth that God has for you. We have a caller on the line. We're going to go ahead and take the caller's question. Clyde, hey, Clyde, welcome to the program. What is your question? Okay, all right. So Adam and Eve are in the garden, right? God has created the garden. He's placed them in it. Okay, all right. Now, they're told they can eat anything they want to in the garden as long as they don't eat of the tree of, of knowledge of good and evil. Okay? Uh -huh. He tells them, in the, day, in the day that you eat of this tree, okay, you will surely die. Now... The world is perfect, and my understanding of Christian doctrine is mm -hmm. nothing had ever died before. They had definitely never seen anything die, so they were being completely unfamiliar with what death was. So how did they know that was even a bad thing to happen? Oh, that's number a two. good question. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Number two. Number, number two. Okay. If they were in a state of innocence, and knew no knowledge of good and evil, mm -hmm. how did they know it was evil to disobey God and a bad thing to disobey God? Sure. So I'm going to try to answer this. we got about one minute, and I'm going to try to—two minutes. I'm going to try to answer this in two minutes. You ready for this? First of all, when you look at that story in Genesis chapter 3, they weren't alone. There was a being, and in Hebrew that being's 
described as the nakash, which can mean the shining one. It can also translate to the one who uh, practices divination, and it can also mean a serpent-like being. And there are other places in Scripture where this is obvious that this creature is not just a snake like we see today. This was something different. It was a nakash, a shining one. And this creature uh, is later described as Lucifer, the devil, the Hasatan, the, the adversary. This creature, this character, was in a fallen state because he himself was tempting Adam and Eve with the knowledge of good and evil. And he gave Adam and Eve three temptations. You will know all things. You will be like God and you will live forever. And so what he does is he takes God's word and he twists it slightly. And he says, Eve, did God really say that you can't eat or touch from the tree? And uh, so there was evil prior to Adam and Eve. It wasn't in humanity. It wasn't in our physical earth, but it was there very obviously in the Bible through this character of the Nakash, the shining one. And later on in Ezekiel and Isaiah, Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14, it talks about how the sun of the morning star, this Nakash, was in the garden of God. And this character had pride in his heart, decided he was going to become his own God. And that's when he fell. Jesus said in Luke 10, 18, I saw this character fall like lightning to earth. We're going to go to a quick, a quick break. The phone number to call in and get your questions answered is 863-682-1430. We'll see you right after the break. Welcome back to Ask the Preacher, a call-in talk show where you can have your Bible questions answered with Jonathan Freed. This program is sponsored by Believers Fellowship Church. Welcome back from the break, everybody. This is Ask the Preacher. Phone number to call in and get your questions answered is 863-682-1430. Just before the break, we uh, answered a question about how could Adam and Eve know what evil was and know what death was and if they were the the first people, you know, created and they were perfect. And, uh, well, the answer was, as we mentioned, there was this other character, the Nakash in, in the garden. So if you missed that, make sure you go to askthepreacher.com and you can listen to previous episodes. Uh, we're going to continue talking until we get another caller about healing and God's will to heal us, especially as we continue in these last days. So we know it's God's perfect will for everybody to be healed. And, uh, just before uh, we were talking about how even in Jesus's hometown, God in the flesh, Jesus himself, his healing ability, his, his healing miracles, they were limited because of the people's unbelief, because of their dogma, their doctrine. It was offensive what Jesus was saying. And uh, another reason we sometimes don't get healed is because it is our appointed time to go. Now, God wants to heal people, but we know from Scripture, Elisha himself was appointed with an illness that was designed to bring him home. Uh, and the Bible makes it very clear in 2 Kings that, that the illness that was destined to bring him to heaven uh, was put upon him. And so, yes, God wants to heal us, but every man, Hebrews tells us, has an appointed time. It is appointed. It is scheduled for man to die once and then the judgment. So if you believe in reincarnation, sorry, that is just not true. It is appointed for man once to die and then the judgment. So there are occasions where, yes, it's just your time to go. 
So how do we balance, okay, does God want to heal me versus is it my time to go? And we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but right now we're going to go to a caller on the line. Jim, welcome to the program. What is your question? Hey, George. I agree with you on the, there are several conditions, even Nahum, uh, when he was uh, going for healing, uh, there were conditions. He had to go to the Jordan River specifically, and they had to dip him seven times. And he was offended by that because he thought there were better bodies of water. There were greater rivers where he could receive healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the prophet didn't even go down to meet him. And he was insulted that the prophet didn't even go down to meet him. So he, he had a little damsel who was his servant, this little slave girl. She said, why are you offended? Uh, the prophet has told you to do a simple thing. Mm-hmm. Just go down and, and dip in the, in the river. So in simple faith, he then went down to the Jordan, uh, dipped himself seven times, specifically as, as God commanded, and he was healed of his leprosy. So there are right. certain conditions that we have to meet, and it has to be with simple uh, faith. You know, um, But sometimes we just make such a big deal out of receiving healing from the Lord. I mean, some people have even built big ministries of making a big show out of the gifts of healings. And the and the gifts of healings are just one of the of the nine gifts of, of the Holy Spirit, and I, I think sometimes we just have to simply walk in obedience and and walk in holiness, and just trust God, uh, and trust His Word um, that His blood is sufficient, and not only to, to save us from our sins but to heal us from wow, our diseases. Yep, yep that's correct. And, and and also Paul had a thorn in his flesh. Um, and and I you know I've heard several things about that. I've heard well this this was a, a a messenger of Satan that followed him and things like that. But I believe that it's simply a, a thorn in his flesh, whether it was his eyesight or or whatever it was. Um, and he sought God three times, and God said, "My grace is sufficient." And, and Paul writes later that the reason God chose not to heal him of that certain affliction is because Paul was caught up into the third heaven and he saw things that no man should see or hear. Mm-hmm. And he said that if he wasn't humbled by this affliction, that he would have been so puffed up in his spirit that he would have been no good for the gospel. So I, I, I believe there are also times when God allows certain afflictions um, to humble us, um, to keep us honest, to keep us pure, um, and, and, you know, the healing is, is definitely available for us. Um, just we have to walk in obedience and humility. Well, I appreciate the call, Jim. That was uh, good comments, and uh, it's hopefully somebody out there needed to hear that. I think that was uh, awesome. I appreciate the call. And you know, it's a good segue into this question of, well, okay, so is God using this to teach me a lesson? And uh Again, I'm a father. I would never want my child to suffer from an ailment uh, that, you know, my kid falls down and gets hurt. I would want to take all their pain away. And uh, we unfortunately live in a fallen world because of the choices of of Adam and Eve and and what we've done. And so we um, we have to deal with the results and the consequences of being in a fallen state. And so sometimes 
bad things happen, but God utilizes those bad times for his purpose, like Jim was alluding to. Uh, so it's it's his perfect will for us to be healed. But even if there are things, whether it's our own sin, our own unbelief, uh, <clears throat> God will utilize those times to teach us and to bring us into a deeper walk and relationship with him. And what's interesting to me is a God that, <clears throat> let, me, let me rephrase this. <clears throat> it's not interesting. One thing that stands out in these last days is this other God who is not Yahweh. Now, if you're not familiar with the name Yahweh, that is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That is the God who met with Moses on the mountain and who is Jesus, God in the flesh. There is another God, though. His name is Asclepius. And Asclepius was indirectly mentioned in the book of Revelation when it comes to healing. And he was mentioned by Jesus indirectly when Jesus was speaking to his disciples in a place called Pergama, talking about the seed of Satan and how the gates of hell, this fortress, this stronghold of Asclepius, this healing God, would not stand against Jesus's church. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in details. Asclepius, this false god versus Yahweh, the real god of healing, when we come back from the break. The phone number to call in and get your questions answered is 863-682-1430. We'll see you after the break. listening to Ask the Preacher with Jonathan Freed, a call-in talk show where you can have your Bible questions answered. It's sponsored by Believer's Fellowship Church. Welcome back from the break, everybody. I am not John Freed. I am George Locke filling in today. Just before the break, we were talking about this false god, Asclepius, versus the one true god of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His name is Yahweh. He revealed himself in the flesh as Yeshua or Jesus. Now, Here's where we're going to try to offend some of your Christian sensibilities, as it were, but also make you a doctoral-level theology student uh, in about four minutes. Bear with me. In Psalm 82 in the Hebrew, it talks about how God, Elohim, sits in the council of the Elohim, these other gods. Now, this is very simple to understand. There are other Elohims. There are other gods mentioned in the Bible. None of them are like Yahweh. Yahweh describes himself as an Elohim, but there's no other Elohim, no other God like Yahweh. He is unique among the gods. He is the God of gods. It is why oftentimes the Bible refers to him as the most high. We know that there are other gods because of the table of nations in Genesis where uh, these people came together at the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11, and God said, you know what, I'm going to confuse your language, and I'm going to turn you over. You want to follow other gods? Go for it. And so in Psalm 82, we see where Yahweh, the Elohim of Elohim, says to these other gods, you are supposed to rule the nations uh, with justice and bring mercy to them, and you've not. And because you've not done that, you will die like mortal men. So now that you know something that is a theological uh, reality, there are other entities out there that would call themselves God. And one of them is Asclepius. And in 
Pergamum, there was something called the Seat of Satan. It is where the false king of the gods, Zeus, set up his throne. And Asclepius uh, was one of these deities who proclaimed healing. In fact, if you go to a medical facility or you see a medical symbol, you will often see one of two symbols. You'll either see a rod with one serpent around it, which is called the rod of Asclepius, or you will see a rod with two serpents around it, which is actually the scepter of Hermes, which stands for commerce. So the two snakes stands for commerce. It's a symbol of a false god. And then you have the one snake, which is the rod of Asclepius, which is the pagan symbol for this false god of healing. And I'm going to give you a quick history lesson. In Asclepion, the city named after Asclepius, there was this, uh, what you would consider a health spa back in the ancient times when the first uh, apostles were, were walking and when Jesus himself was talking to his disciples. And to condense this, this false god Asclepia started out as a man. He evolved into a god and replaced the god Apollo, who is also mentioned in the Bible goes by the name of Apollyon. That is the great adversary, Hasaton, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him. But anyway, this false god, Asclepia, had a healing spa. And what people would do is they would go and they would submit themselves to the best modern medical practices. This god of Asclepia, and they would drink sedatives and they would lay underground in a catacomb overnight and snakes would crawl over them. And what they would do is the next morning they'd wake up and they would write on a black stone tablet their name, what the diagnosis from this false god Asclepia was and how Asclepia healed them. So we see then in Revelation chapter 2 where Jesus is talking, he, Jesus himself writing a letter to the church of Pergama in Revelation chapter 2. He says, you know what, Pergama, here's the things I have that are good, here are the things that I have bad. And he mentions to the church of Pergama, to those of you who overcome, who not only hear the words of the book of Revelation, but you obey them, you do the things in these books. I will give you hidden manna to eat from, and I will give you a new stone, a white stone with a new name on it. And so we see here Jesus, Yahweh, is pitting himself against these false gods, these false gods who would claim to be the modern medical healing practice of their day. Yahweh, Jesus makes a direct confrontation and says, no, 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 no. I'm the God killer. I'm the God of gods. I'm the real healer. We're going to Keep going with this. We got a caller. We're going to take a question from this caller. James, what is your question? Welcome to the program. Uh, how's it going today, George? Uh, my situation that I like to talk about is what you were talking about the uh, gifts and stuff like that that people have. I believe that the Lord allows people to help other people get through their sin situations that they are going through. Uh, for example, you, I doubt, can be able to reach a drunk to get him out of his drunkenness. It takes a drunk to help another drunk get out of his sin. Do you agree? Um, well, yes and no. I, I was a youth pastor at a drug rehabilitation program uh, in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, for many years. And so I think what is required to get people out of their addictions is the Holy Spirit. 
Agree. Now, with that said, 1 Corinthians tells us that we are all of one body, but there are some who are hands and some who are feet and some who are, you know, this body part, that body part. And it's pretty obvious throughout Scripture that what is required is unity of spirit, not conformity of mind. And so, yeah, I, I would agree with the sense that uh, one person's background, one person's situation, the way they speak, the way they communicate with people might help others with their uh, struggles in life, whatever that might be. So, yeah, I, I think there's uh, reasons why God gives people different gifts for sure. Well, you understand the situation is that since they recovering drunk, he knows that he's been through it, and that person who's going through that experience, sure. he would understand it better than coming from a pastor that's telling him you have to be saved. Uh, yeah, possibly. I mean, there's different ways you communicate with, with people, for sure. I, I'm not that's sure all, what that's the all question... To, that, that the question is, though, is how would you be able to handle people in certain, certain situations? You, you alone, yourself, cannot be able to do it. The power of the Holy Spirit has to work through somebody, and sometimes that means another person who has been through that before, who has been saved and is a drunk, he has a recovering drunk, he now understands it, can reach sure. another person better than just someone who has never experienced that, that before. Yeah, I mean, possibly. I mean, uh, I, generally speaking, sure, I think I'd agree with the, the sentiment. But, you know, the Bible makes it pretty clear. Nobody comes to the Father unless the Spirit calls them. Uh, that, that verse makes it very obvious who draws people. It's the Holy Spirit. And that can happen in many different ways. Paul writes, I I, I, I Paul writes you know, I, I how, how can people response. be saved uh, unless there's a preacher for, for them to hear? So... Uh, sometimes it, it is done by preaching, and, and we also see in Scripture where uh, that preaching is sometimes done preaching of fear and pulling people out of uh, smoke, you know, and they, they get to heaven like smelling like smoke, as it were. Um, so as far as addressing an individual person's specific situation, I'm not sure I could really give you an answer for that unless we're, you know, setting up specific parameters. But generally speaking, yeah, I think there are people who have certain backgrounds in history and God allows us to go through those situations so that we can minister to other people and, and be relatable. Uh, so that was a pretty good question. I, I, I liked it. Thanks for calling in on that. And, uh, yeah, you know, even with Naaman, we were talking about him earlier, his level of belief, Naaman's level of belief was simple. He was going back to Syria. He was never going to get the full instruction of the law or get circumcised or go through the rituals of having the priest, you know, wash their hands with a laver and, and sacrifice for him. His faith was pretty straightforward. I now believe Yahweh is my healer. And is it okay, prophet of God, if I take a little bit of dirt back with me so that when I go into the temple of Ramon, this other false deity... Uh, can I put the dirt that's Yahweh's territory in Ramon's temple? And will Yahweh know my heart and accept my sacrifice? And the prophet says to Naaman, Shalom, be at peace. Uh, because whether it was before the law of Moses, whether it was during the law of Moses, whether it's now, we are saved by faith that Yahweh alone, his works redeem us. We're going to go to a break the phone number to call in and get your questions answers is 863-682-1430. We'll see you after the break. Welcome back to Ask the Preacher, a call-in talk show where you can have your Bible questions answered with Jonathan Freed. 
This program is sponsored by Believer's Fellowship Church. Welcome back from the break. I am not Jonathan Freed. I'm George filling in today for Jonathan. We are in our last segment already. I tell you, there's just not enough time. Uh, The phone number to call in and get your questions answered is 863-682-1430. We're going to continue our conversation here about this false god Asclepia and how Jesus made a direct reference uh, to his false authority, uh, not Jesus' false authority, Asclepia's false authority. And in Revelation, Jesus says, look, in, in these last days, to those of you in the, that, that overcome, uh, in Revelation chapter 2, he's writing to the church pergamon, to those of you who overcome, I'm going to give you a white stone with a new name on it. And it goes to show that as we continue to progress into these last days, we are all going to be faced with a challenge. There will be two gods that we can trust for our healing. One will be another god, whether that god goes by Asclepius or uh, Fauci or whatever other name you want to put on that. Or you can trust Yahweh. You can trust Jesus's completed work on the cross for your healing. His broken body makes you whole. And here's a little piece of of knowledge to consider. We talked about how the modern symbol of medicine is the uh, rod with a snake around it, and that's the rod of Asclepius. And what the rod of Asclepius was doing, it's it's putting this false god, this serpent god, going back to Genesis, like our first caller, this Nakash. It's putting this false god in a place of elevation, in a place of worship. And by worshiping this false god, you can kill the symptoms of your ailment. But then you have this other story where Moses in the desert with the children of Israel, they were complaining and they were, they ended up getting a a bunch of adders, vipers biting them and uh, causing them to get sick. And, and uh, Yahweh said to Moses, go ahead and take a bronze serpent and put it on a stick, put it on a staff. And those who look up to it, they'll be saved. And that was a, uh, we could do a 50 hour study on that, but In short, that was a foreshadow of Christ being lifted up on the cross. And the difference between the rod of Asclepius and the rod of Moses is where Asclepius is exalting a false god and killing the symptoms. Jesus on the cross, Moses' staff foreshadowed Jesus, who became sin for us, was crucified. When you trust in his work When you trust that he crucified sin, you're not just treating the symptoms of your ailment, you're treating the root cause of it. We got a caller on the line. We're going to go ahead and take their question. Alex, welcome to the program, and what's your question? Hey, how you doing? Uh, So I was um, reading a passage here in 1 Samuel chapter 12, um, starting at verse 13 and 14. Uh, so it says here, um, this is when, I guess, Samuel is warning the Israelites about their new king, and I guess he's departing them. I'm not sure, but it says here, Now here's the king you have chosen, the one you asked for. See, the Lord has set a king over you. And then here's my curiosity here. It says, If you fear the Lord and serve and obey him and do not rebel against his command, and if both you and the king who reign over you follow the Lord your God, says good. 
But if you don't, his hand will be against you. So mm-hmm. my question is, was this like some type of joint commandment? Like if the nation is doing okay, but the king sins, will his hand come against the nation as well? And vice versa, if the king is doing all right, but the nation falls into mm-hmm. sin, will his hand come against both? That is a really, really good question and probably a very long study that we could we could dive into that. And it has applications to our modern form of government. But Israel was unique in the sense that it was the only nation ever on earth that was a theocracy under the true God, Yahweh. And so kind of going back to, well, what's God's will for healing? Well, God's perfect will was for Israel to just remain a theocracy where he was their king directly. But of course, they wanted to be like all their neighbors. And so they wanted a physical king. And so he said, all right, you know, if that's what you really want, okay, we'll we'll go through it. But there's this condition that Alex just read for us. You have to be obedient to the law because the law is the constitution of Yahweh's kingdom. It is not something that was just for the Jews a long time ago and is now done away with. No, no. It is the constitution of his kingdom. It's still relevant today because it is, in essence, Jesus himself. Uh, He is the, the law. And so if you obey the constitution of the kingdom, it doesn't matter if one individual person sin, whether it's an individual layman or the individual king, the nation as a whole will be blessed. And we see that in Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, repent, turn from their evil ways, cry out to me, I will, heal, uh, I will hear them and I will heal their land. And so um, it's kind of interesting that, uh, yes, where there is corporate rebellion, there is oftentimes corporate punishment. We see this in the exile to Babylon. As a whole, the nation of Israel rebelled against God, and the northern kingdom was dispersed throughout the whole world, and the southern kingdom was cast into exile into Babylon until their uh, appointed time. And then we also see where, you know, King David, he's the king of Israel, and he sins, and it's a personal punishment that he has to endure where his, you know, son dies or he uh, is not able to build the temple. And so, you know, Corporate rebellion leads to corporate uh, correction and individual rebellion leads to individual correction. But generally speaking, the nation that obeys Yahweh's constitution will prosper and be blessed. That, I think, is uh, interesting to our modern form of politics here in America. Uh, Oftentimes, we wonder why politics are so crazy and so chaotic and and why it seems like things just get more and more wicked and more and more vile. Uh, I think it is God's will that not only America, but every nation follows his constitution, his law. Because honestly, if everybody loved Yahweh with all their muchness, as Deuteronomy tells us to do, and as Jesus reiterated as the greatest commandment, and if everybody loved their neighbor as themselves, as Leviticus commands us, and Jesus reiterates as the second greatest commandment, uh, it would be a good nation. And then, of course, you have all the other subsequent laws of not cheating, not stealing, not bearing false witness. And so when it comes to corporate 
chastisement on a nation. We, we commit corporate sins like the abortion, uh, the murder of six million babies a year. And that is coming down. Uh, it's decreased. Uh, I think it's 11 percent since 2002. So that's good. But we still have a Holocaust of of babies being murdered every year. And so uh, at some point, there is going to be even greater corporate correction on our nation. And when it comes to certain political events, this is my opinion. This is not saith the Lord. This is a thus thinketh George. Uh, I think genuinely it was God's will that um, Trump would have been the elected president of the previous uh, election, but he um, allowed the people's will to take place. And so how do we correct this course? It's by correcting us as individuals. We individually need to adhere to Yahweh's law and trust that Jesus is redeeming us personally and will redeem our nation. Thanks for joining in with us this week. Go to askthepreacher.com, submit your questions, your comments, we will see you next week, 5 o'clock on Friday. Bye-bye.